Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Anything But Typical podcast. And it is my honor to introduce to you Brandon Lindsay of uh, Hoopa Grading, as well as Dream On 3. And we'll get into both of those things, which is really cool. Um, and I got to first meet him uh, on a panel on culture a number of years ago, which was really cool. Um, and just got to hear some of his heartbeat. And we've had him back for repeated uh, occurrences uh, and appearances. But here's the deal, Brandon, like what we do with every other um, episode, we start off and here's the scenario. Let's say that now we're at next year's um, Dream on 3 Gala, where you're raising funds for a really great cause and you're all duded up and you're escorting your wife and somebody is, doesn't realize that you're walking by them, but they had seen you and they are talking about you. What is it that you would like them to say about you, Brandon? Well, Gary, first off, I want to thank you for having me here today and allow me to be a part of this. This podcast is blowing up. You guys are killing it. And I'm sure you've had some incredible guests. So I'm honored just to be considered for this and I have a chance to talk to you um, and share our story. If, um, if I was at the gala and somebody was in, trying to talk about me, hopefully they're saying, hey, that's Brandon Lindsay. Uh, he used to have a lot more hair on his head. I think he actually looks better bald. <laughs> uh, but he has, uh, he's got a really cool story. You know, he, he founded dream on three, but he also doubles as a construction executive for hoop high grading company. Uh, it's, a, it's a neat story. I know he loves telling it. So you should talk to him. Well, that's exactly why we're talking to you. We, uh, you you've got the story. You have a ton of stuff we're both interested in. In fact, I, when putting together the outline had to pare it back because it went on to another page and it's like, we're not going to get to all of this today. So, so yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to dive in with you, Brandon. Um, for those that, that don't know Brandon's Thank background. You, yeah, absolutely. So Brandon's the, uh, the VP of operations at, at Hoopa grading. So like you said, he's an executive at Hoopa and, and he's also the founder and CEO at dream on three. So before we even get into both of those and fill everybody in of, what you're doing, what, what some of the backstory for both of those are. I want to paint the picture of your backstory before even founding uh, Dream on 3. Give the listeners a little bit of where you are and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I had, upon graduating from App State, I went straight to work for Martin Marietta. And uh, I had grown up in the construction industry. My dad was a construction worker. And I always knew that that was going to be a place where I'd go. Um, I actually worked my high school and college internships with his company. So construction was just in the blood. It was part of our DNA. And so when I graduated, he got me an interview with Martin Marietta. And I spent 20 years with Martin Marietta. I went through their management trainee program. I um, fully planned on retiring from Martin Marietta. And Ben, that was, it was a great experience. I had a great career. It was Martin Marietta is a phenomenal company and gave me and my family every opportunity in the world. I have no regrets, no, um, no bad experiences from that. But there came a time during my career there at Martin Marietta where uh, something changed and I, it was time for me to do something else. And I never will forget, um, I was at our corporate office in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was in a meeting. I don't know what the meeting was about, Ben, but I remember in that moment thinking, 
this isn't it. And, and mm. so I had this just vision and I can tell you more about that if you want to hear it. But there was a moment there around year 16 where I, um, that switch uh, flipped and I, I kind of started on a different direction. Yeah, so yeah, I would love to hear more about that. I was just going to say, was... you can't give us that kind of cliff note and then not <laughs> exactly. expect us to go further. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> no, so I, I will. I'll give it to you. And and this is this is um, this is the fun part of the story because this is that anything but typical moment where, um, you know, I had a definition of success. I had, and it looked like climbing that corporate ladder as high and as fast as I could, and making as much money and having as much power and everything else, everything that goes along with that. That was my definition of success. And I will tell you, Dream on Three is not a faith-based organization, but Gary knows this. It's a, it's a very big part of my story, my personal story. And in that moment, when I was up in Raleigh at that, that meeting, felt like God laid something on my heart. And he said, Brandon, that's not, I got something different for you. You know, you've got a definition of success, but I'm going to show you a different one. And so this idea of Dream on Three just came flooding in in the middle of this meeting. And I, I often refer to it as that Jerry Maguire moment where it was mm. coming in faster <laughs> than I could get it down on paper. And so I spent the next three days just laying out this, this vision. And I called my wife on the way home and I said, honey, you're going to think I'm nuts. I said, but hear me out. And so for the next hour, I'm, I'm just spewing all this stuff that had come in. And she says, I think you're nuts. She said, <laughs> but she said, let's do it. And, and so, um, so we set out, we sat down with our two girls in our living room and said, hey, I think God's calling us to step out of our comfort zone and to serve this community. I don't know what this looks like, but I want us to do it together as a family. And so we planned a dream experience. We said, this is what we're going to do with our two girls in our living room out of our own bank account. Didn't know what we were doing and thought it would be a cool weekend project. And obviously it's turned into a couple much more, more than that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I want to keep going, but before we do, let's give the listeners a little bit of what dream on three was at the beginning. So what was that vision for it? Yeah. The vision was we wanted to make sports dreams come true for kids that were living with uphill medical challenges, life altering medical conditions. So the entire model was built around creating a huddle around, around this child and this family. And so the, the name, the business model, the logo, all of it is built around the concept of a sports huddle and creating that team and just showing them that despite whatever they're going through, the challenges that they're facing, that they can still live out their dreams. So that was the vision. Yeah. And, and where's the motivation for it? So you talked about how you felt like God was speaking to you um, to, to serve and to give back, but why this mission, why this community of the people that you're serving? Ben, that one, I don't know. And, and that's a great question. I'm often asked if, you know, I had experience with kids with special needs or I had gone through something and I really hadn't. Uh, that was not part of my story. This was just I think it was I always had a passion for kids. I always mm -hmm. felt the need to want to give and to do something to help uh, and to provide joy and hope. But I, we really just combined a couple of passions. I, I loved kids and I love sports. And we said, how can we how do we do this? Yeah. So let's talk through the process of creating and, and getting it going because you're, you're still at this point, you're still at Martin Marietta, right? It's not like you left and you're doing this thing full time on a whim. So you have your corporate career going still. And now you've got this thing that you're starting with your family. So talk us through that process of creating it, 
getting it going. Yeah. So that was, that was the crazy part there. Um, I couldn't shut it off at that point. Okay. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And Ben, you have to, if you knew me prior to dream on three, you would know that I was that guy that I was not a entrepreneur. I was not the guy that said, I want to run my business or start a business. I was perfectly fine getting a paycheck and shutting it off on Friday afternoon. Like I, I have, I wanted no part of that other stuff that you have to deal with as a business owner. So this for me was new and I was going to bed and I, and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't shut it off. I was writing out this business plan. I was having conversations with people. And in that moment, things just started coming together. The pieces of the puzzle were coming together in a way that uh, was just, it was confirmation to me that this was bigger than me. And this was bigger than any actions I was taking. This I'm, I come up through sales. And so I'm used to talking people into doing things <laughs> and convincing them and telling that story in a way that gets them to do what ultimately I'm wanting them to do. But in this situation, I had nothing to do with it. Like people were saying yes before I even had a chance to give my speech. <laughs> and, and so it became so clear to me that this was God's work and not mine that I promised that I would never tell the story of Dream on 3 and leave him out of it. And so it never fails. I, you know, if I'm in a corporate setting or I'm on the anything but typical podcast uh, and someone asks, how'd you start it? I'm like, all right, you asked, you're going to get it now. <laughs> exactly. I'm about to sprinkle a little Jesus on it. So, and then people start squirming and getting uncomfortable, but that's the reason for it. And so it just started coming together. Um, and yeah, it was in a way that I was, I was so convinced this is what I was supposed to do that I was more afraid of not doing it than I was of doing it. Wow. That's powerful. And, and the piece of, of authenticity of, Hey, this is my story. I'm going to say it, whether it makes somebody squirm or not, it goes a long way, right? Because so many times, especially in the business world or corporate world, there's a facade that's put on and you don't get to see what's really important to someone. So, so I think that's, I think that's powerful that that's how you approach it. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to us. You know, um, I know that before everybody went into lockdown, uh, BGW was part of that. It got to be, you know, part of that gala and, and, you know, our folks gussied up and, and they, they came back and said it was such a cool experience and we wanted to get behind what you were doing. So many of our folks just really caught the vision of what you're doing. Describe a little bit of, from, that Jerry Maguire moment where you couldn't shut it off and it was just consuming you to even most recently, like what, what does that look like? What's, you know, we know a little bit about the community that you you're serving, but help us to understand more of like, what does that look like? Oh, that's a great question, Gary, that, you know, and that's the piece that really surprised us. Um, that's the piece I didn't see coming. To Ben's point, when we started it, we were here. I was thinking, make this dream come true for this one child, this one dream, this one experience. Mm. What we didn't see coming was the impact it was going to have on everyone else, mm. on the people that got to be a part of putting the dream together, on the schools where the student was attending, your company, BGW staff members, like the impact that it had on everyone else that was involved in it has been equally as rewarding as watching that dream come true. And so that's where this thing has evolved. And it's gone from that one dream, one child, which is still the cornerstone and, and of what we do. 
But now we've got programs that are more intentional about uh, education, uh, awareness, um, you know, teaching these students uh, life skills about team management and marketing and fundraising and doing all this stuff that bring communities together at a time where that's desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen that that one dream expand into so many different areas. And that's that's been fun to watch. Yeah, cool. So um, tell us a little bit about the last gala that you had. And it's not about the numbers of people that you serve. I don't I don't really care. I mean, if one person is impacted, it like to you, your your analogy, I mean, it is a ripple effect that has this massive ripple that you didn't anticipate. So talk to us about like, you know, what does that scope, what was that gala like, et cetera? And what, what is it, the scope of the people that you're actually serving? Yeah, so we have today, we have done over 150 dream experience, the big monster over the top experience for that child and that family. And just so you know, the scope of that, those experiences, um, they're huge. I mean, they, they involve these massive send-offs, we send the, you know, that all the kids originate from this community from Charlotte, um, but the dream can go wherever. So we've had, you know, a girl that went to prom with Steve Smith to a, to a kid that got his black belt from Chuck Norris, wow. and, you know, to a girl that went to surf at Pipe Masters with the professionals. It's, it's if they can dream it, we really do everything we can to bring it uh, to life. But uh, so over 150 of those experiences, we also have our daydreams now where we'll do um, kind of more local events with a bigger group of kids. So we'll partner with the Down Syndrome Association and we'll take a group of 20 kids out to the ball game for a day and they'll have special interactions. Um, that's a program. And then the most recent program that we've started is the junior dream teams and the collegiate teams where it actually we actually go into the schools and we assemble a group of student leaders that help to make a dream come true for someone within their community. And that's where you really see the power of this stuff. You still got the, the component, the dream experience, but in the process, you've got this group of leaders that you've, you've uh, fed into and you've, you've shepherded and you've walked them through this process. And then that group of leaders has somehow brought together their entire student body and to celebrate someone that is in need of it. So it's, um, yeah, you know, the, the impact has has started growing uh, exponentially over the last several years. You know, before we transition from Martin Marietta to Hoopa grading, which I know actually both of those, I actually did some stuff with Martin Marietta materials, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the gravel stuff, right? But, That's right. Um, before we move there, I, I do have a question. I'm just curious. So this last year has been tough for everybody with the whole COVID thing. How has that impacted the people you serve and how have you had to pivot or, you know, how have you weathered this last 13 months? That's a great question. Yeah. And I think you, that's the, that's the word of 2020, right? Pivot. Um, and that's yeah. exactly what we had to do. If someone had told me that, um, one day all sports would come to a halt. I would have never believed it. But when you're a dream granting organization that makes sports dreams come true in an environment where there's no sports, it, it was a gut punch for us. And so yeah. we did. We got the team together. And we said we can't do what we're used to doing, uh, but we, we can't sit here and do nothing. 
So what can we do? What can, how can we serve these kids? And so there were new programs that were born through uh, the COVID, through the pandemic. We, we did a dream box campaign to where these kids were at the hospitals. They were in um, treatment facilities where they couldn't go on the experiences anyway. So how could we, we filled these massive dream boxes just full of goodies, iPads, Playstations, signed memorabilia, and we'd have those delivered to the hospitals. Um, so we did several different things, but uh, now we're finally getting to the end of that where we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Things are opening back up again. We're doing dream experiences again. We're starting to see sports reemerge, uh, but it was a tough time. So <clears throat> building off of that, of the, I mean, just the theme of having to pivot and having to make changes, you're growing and running dream on three while you're still at Martin Marietta. Um, and then you get to this point where you change and you had said you thought you were going to retire at Martin Marietta. So uh, what was the catalyst for joining Hoopa and, and leaving Martin Marietta? All right. So this, this is where it gets good again, Ben. This is that I was, uh, this was year 20 at Martin Marietta. Right. And which first off is significantly longer than, than what you ever see. Right. I mean, I think the average right now is you stay with the company like three and a half years or something like that. So 20 years at a company is, is a significant, um, loyalty to a company. Well, that's a testament to the company, a fantastic company. And just like I said, they gave me every opportunity, but that job that I had been working for, for 20 years, then it finally came to my door. And so I never will forget, I had been doing Dream on 3 and Martin Marietta for about four years at this time. And my boss came to me and we're great friends. We're still great friends to this day. And he said, Brandon, he said, we're going to give you the BPGM job. And, um, and that's the one. That's the one that I had been working for for 20 years. And he, and he said that and we just stared at each other. It was kind of this awkward silence. And he said, it's kind of hoping you were going to be excited about that. <laughs> and, and I said, you know what? I was too. And he said, okay. And so we had that and I go home and I tell my wife, I said, maybe they offered me the VP GM job today. She said, oh my gosh, congratulations. What'd you say? I said, I think I quit. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was at that moment when, when that job came and I knew that my heart wasn't there any longer. Um, I knew it was time to go. And so I, that was, that was, that was the end of my career there at Martin Marietta. We, we worked it out. It was great. It was, it was cordial and I still have great friends over there, but I left that day and I went home and again, we, we got the girls together. We pulled them in the living room and said, look, all right, daddy's doing another weird thing here. Um, you know, it's, he's, we're leaving Martin Marietta. We don't know what this looks like, but we're going to do this together as a family. It might be some changes. And my oldest daughter said, does that mean I don't get to go on my field trip tomorrow? I said, no, you still get to go on your field trip. We're not that drastic, but it's going to look different. That night, I got a call from Brian McManus with Hoopa Grading Company, which wow. was rare. Brian and I, Brian was a client of mine when I was at Martin Marietta. But um, we just didn't, I mean, we didn't talk at that time of night. This was 6.30. And I think Brian was on his way home and he called and he said, hey, I just hadn't talked to you in a while. Wanted to see how you were doing. And I said, well, you picked a heck of a day. I said, because <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy day. And I began to tell him all about it. And he said, can we have dinner tomorrow night? 
And I said, absolutely. Well, you suddenly had a little bit more time, so. (laughs) That's true. I'm I'm available, Brian. (laughs) So, wow. So I I have to ask you, so what what year was this, Brandon? This was uh, 2018, 2018. right? 18. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Can you tell us whatever... Um, you can share is great and whatever you can't, uh, your privately held company, we get it. So, you know, what was it that, that Brian was talking to you about? You guys were friends already, but what was the need and what was, uh, what have been some of the changes and things that you've seen happen since that day when you guys had that, that conversation that, that night? Yeah, so I didn't know where that conversation was going to go. We met for dinner, and Brian, after we, we got called up, Brian shared with me. He said, we're growing. And he said, Hoopa Grading is experiencing some significant growth right now. And he shared with me this thing called a VTO. And actually, you guys had just walked yeah. Brian and his leadership team through the EOS model and putting together this VTO. And he, and he says – this is the vision that we have for Hoopa grading. And I, I read it, I looked at it and I said, that's great. And he said, I, I think I, I need you to help me get there. I said, Brian, I don't know anything about the grading business. I know nothing about grading. I said, you don't need me to do this. <laughs> he said, and I never will forget. And uh, looking back on it, it makes so much more sense. But he said, Brandon, I don't need you to know the grading business. He said, you know, people. And he said, I need you to help me put a team together that can achieve this vision. And so we, we sat there with a cocktail napkin and we figured this out. And I showed up to work the next week with no idea what I was doing, no job title, and no one here knew what I was supposed to be doing. So it was just <laughs> really weird. Um, but that was it. That was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Now he, and, and at that time, Brian knew, he said, I know Dream on 3 is important to you. And he said, I know that that's a passion of yours, and I'm not asking you to let go of that. He says, as a matter of fact, they had been supporting it. He wanted to continue supporting it as a company. Mm. He said, I want you to be able to do both. He said, but I, you know, I could use your help right now. Man. That says a lot. You know, you think about that. I know too many business owners that have the scarcity mindset of you come work for me and you are mine. You know, mm. I want every thought, every, every ounce of your being devoted to this. Don't de- devote anything else. And maybe you can still have your family. I mean, that's an extreme, but that a lot of people expect that, but from out of the gate for him to say, and acknowledge, hey, I know this is important to you. Man, that says a lot about him as a leader, too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was so grateful for it. And he still means that. You know, I'm here now. The Dream on 3 team has grown. They're, they're self-sustaining right now. They don't need me over there. I still love to do it. Um, but I, I'm here now because I love it. Not because Brian told me to be. Not because he's paying me to be. But just because I love being a part of that. And Brian, to your point, I mean, that was give him credit for, for seeing that and given that opportunity. So, so talk a little bit about what that looked like. You did show up, nobody knew what you were supposed to do. What were some of those first things where they, they dropped it in your lap or they said, Hey, take this and run. Yeah. Um, 
so the very first thing was I said, Brian, what is that part of the putting that VTO together is you've got a 10 year goal and Hoopa had sat down and their 10 year goal, their vision was to be the best. That's what it said to be the best, nothing more complicated than that. And so I sat down with Brian. I said, what does it mean? Like the best what? And how do you measure that? How do you know if you are the best? And so we, we started with defining what being the best meant. We put a group together and we said, all right, if, we're, if that's the finish line, how do we know if we got there? And so we assembled this, this committee, this group of leaders, and we said, let's define what that looks like. And, um, and then once we got through that, I started identifying areas where I could plug in and where I could help and where we had gaps that uh, we needed to tweak and, and certain leaders that needed to be uh, supported. And so that was the very first line of business is to define what being the best meant. Mm-hmm. And, and so as you're in there, one of the things that, that I know we want to hit on is, is the growth aspect of the company and your role in it. So first, can you compare and contrast a little bit for us uh, some differences that you've seen between growing organically versus growing through acquisitions. Certainly, certainly. And, you know, we've actually had, this is, this is a little bit of a hybrid model to that. We, Hoopa Grading experienced organic growth. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when um, Brian and I had sat down, he was starting to feel some of the impact of that, of growing organically. Um, I think, our model has been more of a merger and horizontal integration than acquisition. Okay. So what I say is that we've had over, over the years, we've had some great partners. We've had some very, very strong relationships with companies that had similar cultures, leadership styles. They've helped us to become who we are. And as we were experiencing that growth, we needed them more and more. and We became a larger piece of their business. So then at some point, it made sense as our, that growth trend continued, it made sense for us to combine efforts and to bring them in-house. And so our strategic acquisitions have looked more like mergers where we just said, hey, you know, we're a huge part of your business. You guys are critical to us. Let's, let's bring this together. And so that's what, that's what we've done. The benefits of that, Ben, are instead of going out and acquiring a business, the benefits to this approach has been that they're already part of your team. Uh, Your culture's aligned. You already know that you can work together. Mm -hmm. They know who you are, you know who they are, and all the leadership is on board with it. So it just made it much seamless, uh, much more seamless transition Mm -hmm. to do it that way. So you said something there that is really critical. Anybody that's been through an acquisition or a merger And most of the time, mergers don't feel like a merger. They feel like I either acquired you or you acquired me. (laughs) So, um, you know, and the culture is the number one thing that blows stuff up. It's usually the last thing that people think about. But clearly, in your deliberate approach, culture is a big deal. And, you know, kind of this hey, we know you, you know us. It seems like there's synergies here. How did you deal with that? And also, even with some of the egos when, okay, uh, you did a merger, but whoever it was that you merged with now has Hoopa grading as their logo and not their logo, right? So walk us through how you've navigated those 
sometimes touchy waters. Yeah, and you hit it. Culture is the number one. Like, any time you're you're looking at that, whether it's a merger acquisition, culture's got to be the number one consideration because that can sink the ship faster than anything else. And because these were partnerships that had been in place for many, many years, everyone knew the culture. The culture was already in, in alignment. We knew we could work together. We knew what the DNA of each of the companies was. And so when we brought it together, there was no surprise. And, and believe it or not, there weren't any egos that we had to get mm. over. These two companies knew that they were going to be better together than they were separate. And so we, we did not, knock on wood, we did not experience any of that. Um, you know, I, I know you talk to a lot of business leaders and, and owners and you hear this word culture, you hear buzzwords like core values. And I will tell you from my experience and dealing with a lot of different companies, there is no one more intentional about culture and core values than Hoopot Graving. And when I tell you that, when I came in on day one and walked through orientation, uh, it wasn't just, here's your orientation packet. These are our five core values. Like Every day, we are just pounding those core values into the minds and, and, and the of our employees. It doesn't matter if you're Brian McManus or the guy that just started 20 days ago. You know the core values and you know how that applies to your job. Everything we do, every decision we make, we hire, we, we fire, we everything we do is based on those core values. And so that is the culture. Um, and it's so much more than just words up on the wall. They, we are intentional about that here. And so that's, so, that, that really helped us with that merger. I got to ask you, so can you share with the um, listeners approximately, and again, you can go in as much detail or as vague as you want, but approximately how many, associates or employees do you guys have within Hoopock Rating? We are currently, give or take two or three, we're 575, I think it's the number right now. Okay, so that's not 5.75, it's 575. 575, <laughs> it's 575 teammates, yeah. So what I want the listeners to hear is like, okay, this isn't just, you know, three guys and a greater <laughs> this is a formidable company that is really 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 serious about uh culture and their employees and and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the innovation that you would never expect from a grading company i'm telling you it's like mind-boggling but how do you do like one of the things i think a lot of CEOs and leaders struggle with on the whole culture is like, yeah, we know it's important, but how do we on a purposeful and an ongoing basis, keep reinforcing that besides the screening up front, do you fit? And the screening on the backside, it's clear that even though you may be a great standout performer, you are running roughshod over our culture and our values. So you've got to go. Help us to understand what are the things that you guys are doing on an ongoing basis that really reinforce that? Because I think that's some practical advice that the listeners can take away. Yeah, that's a great question. So you hit on one of the things as we walk through this EOS implementation. One of the things that that process does is it brings to light those individuals or teammates that aren't going to be able to to 
get on board with this team model and working together. And so there was there was some heartburn there and we lost some teammates through this process, some that it just it wasn't going to work. But the biggest thing that that helped us with achieving what you just mentioned there, Gary, was we were we said we are done with hiring and um, having bosses or managers. We're done with that. We want leaders. We want people, to your point earlier, that have no egos, that are here to serve and to invest back into the team and to coach, to uh, give them opportunities to succeed. And so it was a complete mind uh, shift there that we had to get out of this. Hey, you're not a boss. You're not a manager. You're a leader. Your job is to provide your team with every resource and opportunity to achieve their goal. So we had to change that mindset. Um, we, you know, we, we do things all the time just to reiterate the core values. Brian talks to the entire company once a week. He goes live and he talks to them and he talks about our core values. We, we have a poker chip program, Gary, where if, if someone is seen going above and beyond the call of duty in regards to our core values, they, their manager or their peers can award them with this poker chip and they trade that poker chip in for either gift cards or HTC swag, whatever it is. But it's that constant reminder of, of the core values and thinking about that. And then we talk about it. We post it all over our workplace chat. We say, hey, so-and-so, Gary just got a dependable chip because he showed up after hours because he, he knew he left the lights on. Whatever it is, um, we, we recognize that and showcase people that are really going above and beyond. Is that a peer-to-peer recognition or even walk us through how does that get implemented, the poker chip thing? Yeah, the poker chip thing was, it was really just a way to recognize employees that were adhering to the core values. I don't remember the genesis of the program, but it's not a peer-to-peer thing. It's got to come from one of the leaders that uh, can give to uh, teammates for for what they see them doing. yeah, I, th- I think that's really good. I've, I've seen a lot of peer-to-peer, well-intentioned programs that all of a sudden just become a, hey, I'll nominate you, you nominate me. <laughs> it yeah. falls apart pretty fast. Yeah, that would fall apart. We'd have people giving poker chips out left and right, I'm sure. But no, this, is, this has got to come from one of the leaders um, that observes you doing something pretty spectacular. So I want to go back a little bit, Brandon, to the... Uh the the mergers that you were talking about right so clearly as you said culture number one consideration what are some of those other must-haves that you need to see in a merger and acquisition to feel confident that that you can move forward Mm. so the leadership team uh that was that was critical with both of the mergers that we have gone through over the last uh two years it was leadership and both teams, you could look at them and the common thread between both of those companies were they had employees that loved their jobs and loved working for those leaders that owned the company. And so that's, you know, that goes to the culture. It goes to, it just shows that um, there's strong leadership, strong culture in place. So all of those leaders are still in place today. We didn't combine forces with those companies and say, all right, you're done here. Uh, they're still in place. They're still leading those men and women every day. Um, so that was a huge piece of it, too. And, and the other part of it was that there was a need. It wasn't just something that was out of the scope of what we do every day. 
this is, you know, we, we merged with a utility company because we do a lot of utilities. We merged with a erosion control company because such a huge part of our business was erosion control. So the need, and it allowed us to become a vet, uh, to provide a better service to our client. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the, the lessons um, from difficulties of going through this, right? Because there's negotiation, communication back and forth. What are some of those, those lessons that you've learned from some of the difficulties of going through these mergers? Mm. Yeah, the, the one thing is, so the mergers, it was scale, right? We start growing mm-hmm. and we start scaling this organization. We've got a lot more uh, teammates, a lot more families to feed. It's a lot more responsibility as, as leaders of the company. Um, and when, and a lot of times when people start scaling their companies, you know, you're thinking about top line, you're thinking about revenue, you're thinking about all these other things, but we had to scale everything else in the process. We had to scale our team development groups. We had to scale our, um, our training and development. We had to scale our, just all the other things that went along with that so that we can make sure we we could continue to provide them the tools and resources. I think that was the part that was, that was tough, you know, accounting, safety functions, the estimating functions, the, you know, just how many crackers we were putting in the break room, all of those things we had to consider. It's not just bring on these new, all these new employees and start going out and doing more work. Everything else had to grow at the same pace. Yep. And, and then you get to that point where the merger is going to happen and then we get into the actual integration of it, right? So now you're you're blending the teams. The so communication is expanding, things like that. Um, take us through a little bit of, of that, what the integration actually looks like so we can get a little tactical here. Yeah, the first thing we had to do, we, we had to remove the, uh, the fear component. When things like this happen, employees just inherently they're they're afraid they're afraid that change is going to turn into either they lose their job or it's going to be it's not going to be the same company that they're used to working for they're going to be working for a different boss and so we spent a lot of time just having these town hall meetings and getting around and meeting with the different team members and saying hey it's okay nothing's changing except the name on the card right now that's the only thing that changes everything that you're doing is going to stay the same the guy that you're you're is leading this team is going to still lead this team. Uh, no one's losing their job. So removing that, that element of fear was number one for us. Um, we had a, we had a very easy time having the two teams pull each other together and, and consider themselves one uh, just because they had worked together for so right. many years. Yeah. You're that, starting, that was one you're starting much further ahead than, than a typical merger acquisition. Correct. Gotcha. Correct. So that, that part was a little bit easier for us. Yep. Okay. Perfect. That makes sense. Um, as you're growing, you said about 575 people that, that you're at now, right? And so some of this is people you're hiring, some of it's people through through the acquisitions. Um, what, what are some of the ways that you've grown as far as hiring people and bringing people in? Um, that's worked for you the, the best as far as what you're looking for, uh, what you're trying to hire for, that type of stuff? Uh, yeah, so one of the first things that I, I was able to focus on when I got here was Hoopot Grading had a great story. We had a great culture. We had great leadership team. It was a great company where people were happy. 
but no one knew that. And so we needed to create a brand. We needed to be able to tell that story. And that was one of the things that from my previous experience at Martin Marietta and even through Dream on Three, um, I was able to, I was able to help with that. And just, you know, I did, I can't take any credit for it because Hoopa had that already. They already had this great reputation, this great story. We just had a chance to tell it. And so we really beefed up our, our uh, marketing efforts in telling that uh, story and building that brand. And the reason I'm telling you that is it finally, three years later, we're at a point now where people want to be a part of the team. And so where we were going out and having to just, um, just inundate the market with want ads, now we've got people that are wanting to be here. And so, and Brian, he knew that. He knew that if we could tell that story and we were doing, we built a company uh, and achieved that was doing all the things in that VTO that people would be standing in line to come work here. And I don't, they're not standing in line, but people do want to be a part of a team that's, uh, that's winning. And so we're, we're experiencing some of that now, the benefits of that. We're also doing some strategic recruiting. And you know, Gary mentioned it earlier, HGC Academy uh, is one of the ways that we're doing that. But we're going out into the community and showing people a different side of the construction industry and showing them a different look at it. It's, we don't have a lot of uh, young folks coming up right now that say, hey, I want to go work for a grading company. And it's because they have this misconception of what that looks like. And, and so we've got to do something, not just as a company, as an industry, to paint a better picture of ourselves, to, to tell what this opportunity really looks like. So we're doing a lot of that right now. We've got a team development group that is spending a lot of time um, meeting with schools and, and community colleges, high schools, and trying to just show the construction industry in a better light. Are you partnering with any other construction related companies as well? Or are you guys just pioneering and doing it on your own? There's been a lot of pioneering so far, but our goal is to partner. Uh, we can't do this alone. This is bigger than just who buy. So we, Gary, we sat around for a while and we're, um, I'm sure, you, you know, it's, it's easy for us to say, Hey, you know, the education system has failed us. The, the state has failed us. The government has failed us. You're not teaching trades, skilled trades anymore. We can't find good qualified employees to come do these jobs anymore. You guys need to get your act together. And, and so I'm not saying we haven't said those things in, in the back of our mind, but we also weren't uh, doing anything. So this was our way to say, how can we be part of that solution? How can we help with that problem? And we, we went ahead with that process. We said, we're going to train people that have no experience with what we do, how to do these jobs. We're going to show them a career path and we're going to give them the tools and resources to be successful. And so a lot of this has been us right now, but our goal and vision for this is that this is bigger than Hoopa. This is bigger. Uh, this is the entire industry. And we want to partner with like-minded companies that have the same goal. So when we're done with this and we hit the record button, um, you and I are going to have a couple conversations about some other ideas and some other people that I know that I think would be in lockstep with what you're doing here. So um, we'll I would do love that to. later because I, you guys exemplify it's not just us. We're going to lead but we want to do it with somebody, you know, you are a team organization, which is very, very clear. 
One of the things that I learned about, I did not know this about you guys, even though you're a client, I did not know this until I was at um, uh, a company that does virtual reality um, stuff, even for the Smithsonian, this and that, uh, um, Wheelhouse Media here in town, right? Oh, yeah. And then they were telling us, uh, it was a, a kind of a private event, and there's a lot of kind of tech leaders in town, and I was part of it not because I'm a tech leader, I just got to <laughs> glom on. But um, when I heard the story, I'm like, wow, you guys are using virtual reality as part of some of this training. So listeners, listen up. I mean, this is a grading company that's doing some really cutting edge stuff. Can you talk to us about why you're using virtual reality and how uh, you're, you're incorporating that into some of your training? Yeah, and that's it's so much fun to talk about this. There's there's really two major reasons. The the old way and the only way that was available to train someone to run a piece of heavy equipment was to put them in the thing and put them on a job site and say go. You know, which yeah. number one is dangerous. Number two is probably inefficient. And you're also taken away from productivity to be able to do that. So it's, it just wasn't a great system for being able to teach someone how to do that. And then you had individuals that said, all right, I've been running this piece of equipment for two years now. I want to I go to this next piece. I want to give you know, more experience. And to do that, you had to take someone out of it. You had to take someone out of production to be able to do that. So this, we've got three brand new uh, CAT simulators and we can take an operator and and give them seat time in these simulators with vr capabilities and technology and let them learn how to run this equipment uh, without exposing them to a dangerous environment or pulling someone out of production to do it it's pretty cool to see it and then the second thing too is you know we talked about a lack of um, qualified uh, skilled labor uh, employees out there this you know, technology is the love language of this next con uh, generation of construction workers. You know, if you're going to reach the high school students that are graduated, if you're going to reach college students that are coming out, you're going to have to do it through technology. That's what they want to see. We, we had to make construction sexy. And so we go in and we tell them, look, we're doing these simulators. We're training people in these simulators in this state-of-the-art HGC Academy. We are flying these sites with drones. We're doing survey with drones now. All of our equipment is operated by GPS technology. And so all of a sudden you've got their attention and they're listening to you and they realize, okay, this isn't my granddaddy's construction company anymore. Right. Right? These guys are, this is legit. Yeah. Uh, what's the, the translation? What's that success from people that have never been in machines? They, they're doing this VR training they, and they get to go out and, and work. What's that? What's that look like? What's the success? Things like that. Yeah, you can't, you know, we can, you can never fully replace the right. uh, on-site experience, but we are having a lot of success with it, um, especially with those that either have never operated a piece of heavy equipment at all, just to get them accustomed to the controls and how the, how the equipment moves and the, and what things they're looking at. I mean, it actually walks them through a 360 safety inspection before they ever get started. Just things like that. Um, and then we will combine that with all the field training, but we're having a lot of success with it right now. Matter of fact, we can't, uh, the seats are occupied all the time. We've got someone training on these simulators all the time, either training or playing. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's interesting um, for anybody that's been um, gone through flight lessons or anything like that. I mean, that the aerospace industry, especially in learning how to fly, was probably the pioneers, if you will, in the flight simulator kind of things. Um, I used to work with Cessna aircraft and back in 1985, <laughs> they had flight simulators in a retail mall that we helped uh, do. And they were what they were using this flight simulator in a retail mall called Hangar 10 was they were trying to sell um, flight lessons to get the 152 piston line back online again and create enough demand, which was kind of interesting, but that's a long time ago, almost 30 years ago. Now it's in your, you know, industry, which is really cool. Um, so these simulators are inexpensive, I'm sure. Um, but the equipment that they're simulating isn't inexpensive either. Right. I mean, Give, give us an example of what kind of price tags some of these pieces of equipment actually run that, you know, somebody wouldn't necessarily have experience or the uh, chance to experience because it's so expensive, but now they can go through a, a training program where they could actually one day do that. Yeah, so you're right. This equipment, and, and I, I don't know the exact numbers, but you're talking about, depending on the piece of equipment, anywhere from three quarters of a million dollars to half a million dollars easily for, for you know, any of the 325 pieces that we've got sitting out on wow. our job sites right now. So that's, um, that's the expense of the equipment. You're right. The simulators aren't inexpensive either, but it's a fraction of that cost and really a great way for us to, to do that. That's, and Gary, you hit on something there that I really want to point out because I, I give Brian a lot of credit for having that insight and for that vision. That's an expense that a lot of people in their minds say, I can't justify that expense. When Brian looks at it and says, Man, I can't justify not having it. Right. Right. We've got to have that. And even with the academy, I mean, we just put two and a half million dollars into building this HGC academy that we're super proud of. But you never hear about that in any business class that you take. You never hear about that from any uh, quarterly earnings report. Like, no, it's hard to grasp the ROI on that kind of investment because you just don't see it for, for a while. You're not going to see that return for a while. But Brian is, is great. And he's a visionary in that aspect. He, he really understands that in order for us to be the best, we've got to invest in our people. And so he does that with the technology. What else is in that academy? What else have you built out for this? Yeah, so that we both our safety team and our team development groups, which is our training staff, uh, are they live there. That's their office. But then we've also got four state-of-the-art training rooms where we're doing presentations. So being in our industry, if it's, you know, they're calling for rain tomorrow. So when it rains tomorrow, in the past, these, these men and women were going home. You know, we didn't have any work for them to do, so they would go home. Now, they're going to the academy, and we're using rain days as train days. That's opportunity for us to get them in and walk through some of the um, job site scenarios that they're going to experience, talk, talk about challenges that we face, do safety training, whatever it is. We utilize those rain days as training days. Um, so that's, that's the 
primary purpose of the of the space yeah. training i i think that is so amazing i mean um it's you guys didn't get to 575 people by happenstance and you didn't get there by short term quarter over quarter mentality well we got to hit the earnings so we got to squeeze stuff down we got to ramp things up we've got to whip our people harder um that's not the mentality clearly at hoopa and yet the amazing thing is is you guys are proving out that a very healthy and intentional culture can have also great financial impact and one thing that you said in you know I, I caught this and it, it is extremely important. You said we have more families. You got 575 families and the responsibility that goes with that. Again, a leader that recognizes that versus we've got 575 automatons <laughs> that, that depend on our paychecks, but you humanize it as a families you know, and I wish more leaders really understood that. Um, yeah, this, yeah. this has been a really fun, like, journey going from this, like, aha, Jerry Maguire moment, your own thing, transitioning and using those special, like, your uniqueness to help this other company continue to grow and where they recognize what's important to you. And I, I mean, the story is just phenomenal. Um, I just, this has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me tell it. And, and you know, I always learn something when I tell it to Gary, when you, hearing you say that back to me, like you really see the design in it and the whole thing. I was not, I was not capable of doing this prior to dream on three. It's not capable of doing this. I mean, all of that experience led up to me being able to be a successful uh, leader here at Hoopah Grading Company. It was, had it not been for that moment at Martin Marietta where God said, man, I've got a different de definition of success and success means to serve. I would not have been the leader that I am here. I think that that right there has really helped me to understand it's not about ego. It's not about titles. It's not about money. It's about what we can do to help someone else achieve their goals and how we can serve others. And so it's, it's definitely been, uh, a cool story for me and, and, and looking back on it, just see the design behind all of it. And I'm grateful for it. Perfect. I want to wrap up here and what we'll do in the show notes is we'll send people to, uh, to Hoopa. We'll send them to dream on three to your LinkedIn. Um, is there any other place that you want people checking, uh, checking you out or anything that you're involved with? Yeah. So we just posted a video, almost a, um, like a walkthrough of the new HDC Academy on a YouTube page. And so I can send you that link, Ben, yeah. and I, I think it, people would enjoy seeing the technology there in that space, uh, but would love for you to check that out. And then if you want to come by, we'd love to give you a tour in person, too. It's, it's a neat space to be able to walk through. Well, so only if we get to uh, put on the VR hood and, and drive the simulator, operate some equipment. <laughs> you got it. You, you may, you may end up getting you. thousands of people reaching out to do that after this. <laughs> you cannot do any worse than I did. I <laughs> well, I've got two pages of notes. Yeah. Uh, this has just been rich, uh, Brandon. Every time I get to 
um, be in a room with you and just hear you speak, hear your heart. I mean, I learned all kinds of details of things that I did not know about you and your story, which I just think is so phenomenal. And, um, you know, thank you for you and, and please tell Brian and the rest of the team, thank you for being such positive ripple makers in this world and in this place that we call Charlotte and home. Um, we need more examples of leaders that want to follow this example and they don't have to necessarily create their own blueprint. They can take bits and pieces of what's worked. And that's really one of the heartbeats that we have for this particular podcast is we want to inspire other people, like take bits and pieces from what has worked and what hasn't worked with these leaders like yourselves, make it your own and go make great impact, you know? Absolutely. I, I can assure you we've taken bits and pieces from some of the other guests that you've had on it. So I, I love that. And I love that you've got this platform and you're using it for that purpose. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for coming you guys on. You're doing great work. You Thanks, can blame Ben because this was his idea about a year and a half ago, almost. When he, <laughs> he came up with this idea and said, hey, I want to do this with you. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so it's been it. really fun. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That is anything but typical. <laughs> yes, it is. I love it. I love it. You guys are doing great. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you to our listeners. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.